The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Do you have the courage to be healed? So she's afraid to be out outside and in public and in a crowd. So we went for a long time me trying to convince her that nothing bad would happen to her in the shopping mall. We couldn't get anywhere. So I decided to reverse it. And I began telling her all the things, bad things that could happen to her in her house. Way to go, Mark. <laughs> Mark Rutland explains how faith is not the only variable needed for healing. Next. Dr. Mark Rutland, uh, you know, it's amazing that I'm, I'm doing a conference in Orlando and invited a guy to come and preach. I don't even remember who recommended to invite Mark. I don't have a clue. Honestly, I don't. God. And he, 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 God. he, yeah, he limps up to the pulpit because he's hurt his leg real bad. Better think, oh, God, I don't, even, I don't really know this guy. I don't know who talked me into inviting this guy to get him to walk. And I'm telling you, he hits far to the park. It's just no way to describe it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, and he can really preach. And then we got to be friends, and he actually became, I preached at every church he was in, but he went to uh, Southeastern, I guess his Assembly of God uh, school in Florida, and I go down there and preach for a week, and uh, all the assemblies became Baptists that week, and it was an amazing <laughs> transformation. <laughs> the amazing thing was there's a Baptist preaching down in his Pentecostal school, and, it, and God just showed up. And it was amazing how close we got. You ended up being at, at Oral Roberts. And by the way, I'm just talking to him like I've introduced him. This is the introduction if you don't know what it is. <laughs> and I have watched Mark on this journey that has been incredible to watch. And you are gifted in so many ways. I'm glad you're with Jensen Franklin there in Gainesville, Georgia. I think Jensen is one of the most anointed. Yes. Uh, I call him a young leader, you know. And yes. everybody's young to me. You're, you're young. <laughs> you're only three years younger than me, but you're young to me. Very young. The point is, that's it. But here's the deal. You have been really gifted by God. And I'm glad that you, you've really blessed ORU. You've blessed every place you've been. You're being a blessing there where Jensen is. And by the way, Jensen, love you and all the family and your whole church family. This book, Courage to be Healed, and you know, when you've been president of Old Roberts University, we draw a pretty quick assumption. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a whole lot more healing to be taking place. And yet I really know the depth of what's here is so much bigger than what people might just think when they see that word. And I want you to really cut to the chase because I think God has given you something. I don't ever know anything I've ever heard you do that I didn't think God gave you that was special, but I think you're pretty excited about this. I am, James. Thank you. And it's wonderful to be back with you all. Um, we have really traveled some continents yeah. together, Asia, <laughs> China, Thailand. We've been all over the world. And together. we're doing Rescuing Life right now. You probably were the first person. We went with you to Thailand, and you showed us where the predators go and get these little children. Mm. We could not believe it. And then we saw what you were doing at House of Grace. And we saw these beautiful, radiant people that you had deposited Jesus in. You inspired us to start putting on. So Praise God. thank you for showing us what we're actually even encouraging people to support right now. Would you tell our viewers, is it effective to rescue these trafficked ones and get them on a new path? And is it a miraculous thing to see? Well, A, it is effective in, in, 
if it didn't work, we wouldn't keep doing it. And it is effective. B, it is miraculous. The damage that's done, in fact, it ties to this book, the damage that's been done in people's lives through the predatory actions of others is highly destructive. And it is miraculous for them to be healed. And it is beyond all that, it's absolutely necessary. It's and absolutely it, and necessary. Grace works. Grace and works. When you support that, call it the house of grace. We call it a house of destiny. Praise it's God. a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, tell us why God put this so, I believe, so firmly on your heart. Yeah, I waited 15 years to write this book. I just kept compiling research and dealing with it and working with it and wrote four other books in the meantime. And I just kept having these notes pile up on my desk and finally it became inescapable. I couldn't get away from it. The healing that I'm talking about here, everybody, when you say the word healing, obviously there is physical healing. I believe in it. I pray for it. And it is a miracle when people receive. But what I'm dealing with in this book is inner healing, healing of damaged emotions. And, and I believe that there are many people, Christians, something uh, haunts them nags at them, chews at them inside, and they become toxic people. I'm not saying they're not Christians. They're, they're born again. If they were to die right now, they'd go to heaven. But the sooner, the better. Uh, they're just That's so... That's their yeah. point That's of view, actually. Yeah. I want yeah. out of here. They're yeah. just so angry and hurtful. Their churches are messed up. Their families are messed up. And I just began to say, what is the, what's the variable? Faith is a variable in all healing. I know that. But I'm convinced that with inner healing, with the healing of emotional damage, the greater variable is not faith, it's courage. Because it takes tremendous courage to look in that mirror and see, this is me. This is what I have to deal with. And, and that's why I wrote the book. This is what needs to be dealt with by some supernatural healing force because it's destroying me to the point that a lot of people despair of life they actually don't want to live, and a lot of them are not only Christians, they're church leaders. Suicide rate is very high among pastors. And you're saying that it's in the military bases right now at astounding numbers, and it isn't just necessarily the ones who come back from the battle, it's those who are just on the base. Give us one of the recent illustrations yeah, of the, one, uh, the one, air, one air base in South Carolina, they recently had to shut down operation. They're not, they're not taking off any more planes right now. The American Air Force, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about some civil air patrol. And they had to shut down operations because of the percentage of uh, suicides among the airmen has escalated to a level where it's, it's at a level of danger. And, and they've had to shut it down. It's the same is true everywhere. It's not just suicide either. It's not just the people who themselves despair of life. It's the people around them who, who are just burned all the time with the toxicity, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. It just flows out of them until everybody around them gets burned up. Do you have an explanation for why the intensity or the increasing, um, let's say, amount of that uh, predicament? Well, I think a, a, a part of it is the determination to cover it over, to plaster over the cracks with an outward appearance of success. So it makes us more and more driven, more and more compelled, constantly trying. I put it like this. If you make your life like a balloon, you just keep increasing the surface area so that all of that that you do accomplish, learn, earn, is all on the surface. You're increasing the surface area, but inside this, 
this emptiness is there and the explosion is gonna come. Mm-hmm. If you can, if one can get co- courageous enough to say, I have to have help, I have to have help. The whole point of the book is based on the, the man lowered through the rooftop. And that what's illustrated right here? That's what's on the cover. That, if you could really see this, I'm, I'm looking at it graphically and my mind races through the scripture of them lowering this uh, cripple down through the, the roof to get close to, to Jesus. Yes. And, and I really wish you could just grab that wherever you are with this expanding pain or whatever it is, this explosive or this depression or this want to hide. And, and this is happening to pastors, to preachers, to leaders. I was so defeated when I was at the height of success that I despaired of life and actually said, Betty, why don't you just pray I die in my sleep? I was a tormented person. So this is what's building. So I'm, I'm an example of what is there. And I was in, in a ministry that you would call very blessed and very successful, but I was also, being tormented. You also, you I'm tried also, to take your own life while you were a minister I was in a, the, the me- gun phase. I was a Methodist preacher and a, attempted suicide. And I, I just became convinced that people can't get free because they won't get honest. Yeah, and this guy had to get courageous enough to say, put me down there. Yep. He made a decision is what you're saying, right? You think about the risk. You think about the risk. That, what the if roof. they dropped him? Mm-hmm. Um, what if Jesus rejects him? He, we know how Luke 5 comes out, but he didn't. No. What if Jesus says, get that thing out of here? Furthermore, the, the uh, character of the audience that's there is described in Luke chapter 5 as doctors of the law. Wow. And there's a fascinating word, which I've read that passage all my life and I, I've missed it. I'm embarrassed to say. It says, and the power of God was present to heal them. Wow. It doesn't say the power of God was present to heal. The power of God was present to heal them, but none of them got healed. Wow. Because they didn't have the courage to overcome their legalistic predilections and come into the presence of Jesus for healing. They were just there to prove how wonderful they were as doctors of the law. You know what? This guy was determined. That's that courage. But that group that helped him was determined. Yes. There, there's, to me, us sitting here on life today, all the people praying for us, all the people who support us, we're determined to try to get people to this healing force. Now, you talk about, you call it five toxins yes. that you think need to be dealt with. Would you cover some of those? Yeah. Shame. Unforgiveness, condemnation, rejection, and fear. Say them again. Say them again. Shame, unforgiveness, condemnation, rejection, and fear. So I believe that basically every toxic flow in our life comes from one of those five. Um, I counseled with uh, a woman who created this narrative of this wonderful older brother who was just wonderful. He cared for her. She was a latchkey kid. And she just kept telling me that he was like a hero in her life. This almost supernatural guy. And I said, I'd love to meet him. She said, well, I don't even know where he is. Hadn't seen him in 25 years. Well, you sense something's wrong. So I began to press in and press in. Finally, she found the courage, and God bless her for it, to admit he was not that at all. Hmm. When she was nine, he was in high school. The mother worked late at night. He would bring his high school friends home and they would pay him for this little nine-year-old girl to perform oral sex on him. He pimped her out when she was nine years old. But the shame of that was so horrible to her that she buried it and created this surface narrative, which now left her 
She was obese. She was rejected. She was in her second marriage. Her life was a complete catastrophe. But the only tur the turning point in her life came when she found the courage to say, my brother pimped me out. Mm -hmm. Now that, I'll just say it right on TV, that takes guts. Mm -hmm. That takes guts to do that. And I admired her. I told her. She said, I guess you think I'm horrible. I said, no, ma'am. I've never admired anybody more in my whole life than I admire you right this moment. Wow. Because you, you had the courage. Shame, unforgiveness, rejection, condemnation is a huge one. It, condemnation rests, this, this may surprise you a little bit, condemnation rests in the throne of idolatry. It seems like an odd thing, but here it is. You ever hear people say this? Um, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. That is actually a, an idolatrous statement. Who do you think you are? God has forgiven you, but you're a more righteous judge than God Almighty? So what is the cure if condemnation rests in idolatry? What's the cure? It's worship. Worship is the therapy that heals us of, of self-idolatry. When we get our eyes off of ourself and onto the magnificence of God. And I'm just talking about whether you jump up and down in church. I'm talking about adoration, to worship God. When we remove that self off of the throne, move God onto the throne and begin to worship him, then I can accept his judgment on my life. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation. But as long as I'm judging myself, I impose condemnation on me. Wow. Don't you think that as Christians, a lot of times it's harder for us to grab hold of that courage because as Christians, we're supposed to already supposedly from what sometimes the church says, have it all together and not talk about those things in the past or things that are eating you up on the inside. You know, I was full of fear as a young Christian. I, I was intimidated. I didn't think much of myself, you know, until I really opened my heart up to God to show me who he thought I was and who he believed I was. But we, we kind of suppress it because we're, as you said, we're ashamed. Beautiful. Betty, you are so right. And, uh, and it is harder for us. One reason is because we keep thinking another religious crisis will be, I'll go to the altar one more time. I'll pray one more time. I'll get a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'll get one more anointing. One more thing will happen. And we just keep it at a very superficial level. Fear, for example, that's a very important one. Fear, the, the, the throne on which fear sits is pain. We, we imagine some huge pain. Do you ever take a kid to the doctor and the nurse comes in with a hypodermic needle and he wigs out? <laughs> it's, it's because he imagines a pain that is greater than that which he could possibly. Or <laughs> psychologists, scientists tell you, one cannot actually remember the sensation of a pain. You remember that it hurt, but you can't actually remember how it feels. So therefore, you create a pain narrative that may be greater than, than what it really was. So a little Christian girl who doesn't feel good about herself creates this narrative of pain. I'll be rejected. Everybody will think I'm stupid. Nobody will listen to me. I can't, I can't do that. And that fear then becomes a, a toxic control in your life. How do you get rid of it? By getting honest enough about what, it, what is the real thing. And scripture tells us what the therapy for, for pain is, for fear. We know what it is. 
Perfect love casts out all fear. So let me tell you about a lady I counseled with for a year. She had agoraphobia. You know what it is? It means the fear of, uh, from the Latin word for on a marketplace, agora. Uh, so she's afraid to be out outside and in public and in a crowd. She finally is so crippled emotionally, she can't come out of her own house. Her children, her grown children, she's an old lady, her grown children have to bring her groceries and take care of her. So we went for a long time, me trying to convince her that nothing bad would happen to her in the shopping mall. We couldn't get anywhere. So I decided to reverse it. And I began telling her all the things, bad things that could happen to her in her house. Oh, way to go, Mark. <laughs> I said, I said what, what if somebody breaks in here and kills you right in your house? She said, Dr. Rutland, I don't feel like this is helping. <laughs> and so then when we talked about that, that there isn't really a 100% safe place, she said, well, what's the solution? I said, bringing Jesus and his love into your pain. Yeah. He never promised you to avoid pain. He promised to be in the valley That's with right. you in the pain. So if he's with you in the house, he can be with you in the front yard. He can give you peace in that valley. Yeah. He can be with you in the shopping mall. When her grown son came home one day and found her standing in the front yard watering the flowers, he, he, he called me weeping from the car. He called me and said, my mother's in the front yard watering the flowers. <laughs> and I said, why not? She's not any safer in the front yard than anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> if you get the people to get this book and get into it, Mark, what do you hope and what do you believe is going to happen when they start going through it? What do you think will take place? I think two things will happen. One is people will read it and they'll think of a dozen other people. Oh, my cousin needs to read this. My friend, this is what they need. This is what's wrong. Also, I think it will motivate people to find someone, a counselor, someone that can really help them to excavate down and find out what's wrong and not wallow in it. Not get down there and just stay there wallowing in victimhood but to find that victory out until they, they really find what God wants for them on the other side, to find that abscessed tooth and get it out and then move on. When, when I said to a group of people that I had been through counseling, James, I just mentioned, I've been through counseling. There was a gasp in the room. <laughs> there was a gasp. Afterward, a man came to me and he said, Dr. Rutland, why did you go to counseling? I said, because I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I see you're writing about. This is what you want people to get. You want to say thanks to Dr. Mark Rutland for sharing and being here with us and leading and being willing to touch on these areas that oftentimes are either overlooked or not understood. It's in the bookstores. Mark, we mentioned at the beginning you were the first one to take us and show us how these little children up in their poverty areas were purchased for sometimes a radio a little portable, some kind of object, sometimes a little money or a promise they're gonna take them and teach them and get them a job. It was awful. We saw what happened to them. We saw the people coming there to take them and use them. Dear God, please set people free from this bondage. Boy, you talk about a prison for people to be in, to be able to take advantage of little children. But we can set them free, love sets them free. We have relief workers and mission workers that have their arms reaching out and arms around these precious ones, and you make it possible. I want you to watch and see if you want to be the answer to someone's heart cry and be the miracle they long for. Watch very closely because you really are the answer. The threat most often materializes out of the blue. 
targeting those who are innocent and unaware. It appears friendly at first, but inevitably, its true colors are revealed. With one final maneuver, the trap is sprung, and human traffickers have snared yet another victim. Pooja was only 12 years old when this nightmare became her reality, linking her to countless others like her who are approached, drugged, threatened, and abducted before anyone even notices. Fortunately for Pooja, rescue life was ready. Our ministry partners at the border intercepted her captors and pulled her from their grasp before she was sold into slavery. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That thank you is for you. Somebody just like you, and think of it, Betty, we've got viewers, and this was, we were so concerned years ago when we just showed the first time our viewers this reality. We thought, well, they'll tell us, don't ever show us that again. The opposite was true. Show us how we can help. And it's unusual because people stepped up and said, we know you're going to be rescuing. Here's our matching gift. That's love. $320,000 is a lot of money. It could have come from some large gifts of several thousand. Could have come from quite a few 1,000. I don't know how it all came together. But these are individuals like you that made a commitment to match what you do because they believe so much in what you just saw to rescue someone like that. And we can do it. It's not an exaggeration. It works. Would you please right now ask God what he wants you to do? Whatever you do will be matched. It takes an average of $128 for us to reach, rescue, and begin the restoration process. That gift will be matched, which means if you give the 128, not just reach one, but two. And I really, you know, I'm going to ask you to think big. I don't have any problem asking you to elevate your thinking when it comes to giving and the joy of giving and blessing others. If you give $1,280, we can reach 10. You do that now, and we reach 20. Would you please, right now, would you go and get your bank card that you use for necessities, for things that you want to do, and sometimes just, just use it indulgently? Would you get it this time and use it as a, a rescue? Would you reach out right now and love, please? I know you have to quit the card. Come back, dial that number, please. That prayer line becomes a lifeline, dial it, or go online and say, here's the gift I want to make. Father, I pray as many as can will help rescue 10, immediately 20. Everyone that can give, help them to do what you impress them to do in Jesus' name. I know for some of you it's a sacrifice. Some of you say, James, I couldn't give $128, but 64 will be matched and we rescued another one. Whatever level you can come and give, please do it. 
We have some gifts to send you to bless you. The Proverbs Journal will bless you. It's wisdom. The beautiful, beautiful towel. I call them like a hanging tapestry that has a testimony you will enjoy. And then in the arms of the shepherd bronze, God wants to hold every broken heart, every little lamb, every precious one. You're helping make that possible. We're going to say thank you, but so many people are going to be saying thanks to God for the freedom you give them. Please make that gift now. Behind the bright lights, there is a darkness where a world of innocence is lost and abuse runs rampant, scarring the souls of children with no one and nowhere to turn for help. With bodies broken and hopes crushed, these young victims are trapped in a never-ending nightmare. Today, you can shine the light of God's love in this dark world to reach, rescue, and restore these young ones to the life God designed for them to live. With a generous $320,000 matching gift, now your gift of $128 to help rescue a child can be doubled to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 mission rescue gift will be doubled to $64. And with your donation of any amount, we'll send you the Faith, Hope, Love tea towel set. These beautifully woven hand towels are a wonderful reminder to remain steadfast in faith, hope, and love each day. With your gift of $128 or more, you'll receive the life-giving Proverbs Journal. Bound in genuine leather, this journal is filled with wisdom and daily encouragement from Proverbs, featuring lined pages for your personal notes as you reflect on godly instruction to success in life. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful bronze sculpture, Safe in the Shepherd's Arms. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You know, I was just telling Mark Rutland how amazing you are. He, he's to us an amazing person. He's the first one that showed us these little children. Mark, thank you for that. You were there with us in China when we dedicated an orphanage that was one of the most beautiful things ever. And we, we got to see the corruption that was in the adoption processes change to where it became far more wholesome for people to have little Amen. children from China. A lot more healing needs to take place in China. Mark Rutland is putting something in our hands and making it available. Courage to be healed, boy, inner healing. Thank you for doing this, Mark. John Bevere, one of our best friends, wrote the forward. You say, uh, James, if we help you rescue some of those precious girls and children, could we have Mark's book? I think it would mean something to me or someone I love. Well, you, you better believe it. You just ask for it and we'll send it as an expression of gratitude. Join Betty and me saying thanks to Dr. Rutland for being with us. Mark, we love you. You give our regards to the church back in Gainesville and to Jensen. Thank all of you for watching, and I do thank you so much for your love, your prayers, and your support.
When planning your future, keep their future in mind. Contact Life Planning Services today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.